Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Hello and welcome to the After the Bell podcast brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. I'm Georgie, Director of Learning Development, and our expert tutor today returns and is one of our Connects Education tutors. In today's episode, we're returning to our series supporting new and aspirational tutors and are joined by Rebecca again, Rebecca Cracknell. Rebecca is an established tutor and has also written a number of courses for Thirsty Scholars to support new and existing tutors. Hi, Rebecca. So previously we chatted through getting started as a tutor and we've also talked about uh, day-to-day working and also the importance of planning and preparation, which I really enjoyed that session. It'd be great if we can focus in today on some top tips and models um, that you're using and, and things that perhaps the tutors that are listening in might want to trial. Um, Before we talk about that though, um, did you want to just share a little bit about your transition from being a teacher to a tutor um, and also recap on the importance of planning and preparing your sessions? Uh, Hello Georgie, Um, yeah so I became a tutor through what you might consider a traditional route in that I was a teacher first Um, but I chose to pursue a career in tutoring um, when I decided to step back from being in the classroom full time. So I had a bit of um, sort of work-life balance and could focus on my family. Um, I've been tutoring um, for a while now, both alongside my career as a teacher and um, a few years now where I've just, um, just been a tutor. Um, And it's a great, it's a great way to to have that flexibility in your career while still um, using all of the skills that you've developed um, and the experience that you have from being a a teacher too. Um, And so in regards to the kind of role of planning, um, for me, it it, it is no different to how you might plan a a lesson if you were delivering it in school. Um, It's vital because it gives you the confidence in what you're going to deliver. It helps to engage the students and keep them motivated. And ultimately, it's the the thing that you're going to kind of use when you're measuring the progress that you make and kind of thinking about that. If you have clear plans of where you want your students to be and how you're going to get there you can really reflect upon um, whether or not you've achieved them the student can too that's great to hear Rebecca thank you for recapping about the planning and preparation I know we talked a lot about sort of keeping it learner centred as well Um, so it's the 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 opportunities around tuition is that you you can be a little bit more flexible and adaptable and and meet the needs a lot more um, than necessarily somebody who's uh, sort of swallowed up in the classroom. So when chatting to sort of the community and the tutors are out there, they're they're always keen to find out new tips and and, uh, tools. So I'm hoping, Rebecca, you're gonna be able to share some of your tried and tested tutoring secrets today. Um, Maybe you might share a few anyway. So um, shall we start talking about what skills you actually need to have as a tutor and, and how do you develop those? Yeah, so um, I think your main tools as a tutor are your personal qualities and the the skills um, and um, 
the aspects of your personality that you can bring to that role. Um, I think that when you start out tutoring, taking some time to reflect upon those is really important. Um, I think there are a number of qualities that you that you need to have. And if you haven't got those, you're going to find tutoring really hard. Um, we've mentioned the word flexibility quite a lot when we've been talking together. And I think that's key, you know, being able to recognize when you need to change a plan, being able to respond to that in a positive way rather than seeing it as a a sort of um, uh, an error or a mistake in any way and seeing the opportunities that come out of um, change is 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 a great skill to have as a tutor. You um, invariably need to be patient. Uh, having patience, <laughs> <laughs> having patience is is really important and um, because you are working at the pace that is dictated by your students um, in a way that is slightly different to a classroom. Whilst you are still managing the time, you are making sure that the activities support their rate of progress. And whilst you obviously want to encourage that to be as rapid as possible, you're not there to push um, a student further than they're able to go. Um, so being patient is key. I, one of the things I found really hard, particularly when tutoring online, is being able to be silent when you're in a classroom environment with sort of 30 children and you go, right, off you go, get on with the task. There's there's lots going on and you as as the teacher can move around the space and talk to talk to children one on one. Whereas when you're in a um, tutoring situation, you often need to be patient and give them the time to do something and know when to sit back. Um, so personal skills like that, I would say, are, are kind of your, your main tools. Um, spending some time thinking about the, the personal skills you already have and how they're going to help you is a great place to start. But also thinking, OK, so I haven't I haven't really got that. And I think that would be important. So you, you can identify your own areas for development is useful, too. So a bit of self-reflection there. Uh, you, you, you feel that actually being honest about where, where you're sort of finding gaps and that you need to improve on is, is a, a useful start around development. Yeah, um, I think it's yeah. also useful as well, because there is no kind of one size fits all tutor. I think you can be a tutor who who works with some students and you can be really successful with them and you can be a tutor who, who works with others and and maybe you're not the best fit. And, and actually knowing where your strengths lie mean that you can direct your kind of your progression as a tutor in that direction, too. So it, it can become more rewarding um you know if you if you're able to do that um and I, I i think we spoke before about when i was working with codex being able to say these are the sort of uh this is the key stage i like to work with this is the uh specification that i know really well having having a good understanding of that is useful and finding students that are a best fit um is is helpful so being reflective and knowing and understanding that is is a good place to start yeah, it's great. That's great to hear. So what would you say is an essential tutor toolkit for um, if you're delivering either face to face or virtually? I think for me, the main um, sort of tool I, I always start with is I start from um, assessment materials. Um, 
knowing what a student is expected to be covering, knowing, um, I, I work uh, quite a lot with GCSE students, and so knowing the curriculum um, and the specifications and what the exam paper looks like and what the assessment objectives are, that for me is, is my first port of call. Any specimen assessment materials that come along with that, um, that's brilliant. And any, um, if you're if you're fortunate enough that you're in a network with some other teachers or some other tutors, and you can borrow um, exemplar materials, that for me is is my number one um, tool, whether that's face to face or um, virtually. Being able to share with students, this is what a good response looks like this is what a good answer looks like this is what it looks like at this level this is what it looks like at this level for me um you can't compete with that um from there um i think other kind of tools that you might want to use um it's useful to kind of build up a bank of of things that work well so if you're like me and you've come from teaching you might have kind of PowerPoint presentations that are great if you're working on, on a screen. You might have um, worksheets if you're doing face-to-face -face that you know really cover that skill well. And I think having a bank of those things, as you would within a department within school, that you can kind of refer back to um, is, is really useful. Um, where they come from, doesn't seem to matter too much. Um, it, as long as it's something that you can work with, you feel confident using, and you know has success with the students, they for me are far more important than if it's kind of a, a paid resource or something that you've found on the desk in another classroom or whatever. It, 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 it to me, that, that doesn't matter. I think it, it's knowing that the resource is something you can use, it's something you feel comfortable with, and it's something that works for the student in developing that skill. They're the number one sort of factors for me when it comes to that. Brilliant. And, and there's absolute, you know, there's so many different sort of um, activities and things that are available out there. I often find a few things on Twitter. So um, what we're trying to do is collate a lot of free resources together that we can then push out um, here at Thursday Scholars around people can access and tutors to just try and support you all. Um, to try different strategies and um, hopefully you've, if you're listening, you you might be aware of the Twilight Toolkits. We've got a number of um, webinars that we're running. So at the moment we're doing a series with a lady called Alison Borthwick and it's all around primary maths, but very much drilling down on different sort of tools that she's using in the classroom and, and how to sort of uh, different examples that you can do with learners. So it's very, very hands-on and very practical. So uh, we're hoping that we can also roll out some series around primary English and secondary English. So uh, it could be something for you to think about there, Rebecca. Um, so moving on then, what, what sort of recommendations would you make around tools that are available? And I know you touched on sort of the variety that are out there. So I think if you think about the needs of your student first, we spoke about this when we were doing planning too, um, students might have different preferred learning styles. And whilst we don't at present want to ensure that a, stu a student who prefers to learn uh, visually only learns visually, 
that might give you ways into the learning. So for example, um, it might be that you want to use some visual prompts. So um, in English, I use pictures a lot. So finding a really good um, kind of uh, photograph that is full of intrigue or curiosity um, from a site somewhere like Unsplash, where you can kind of like browse a library and find something that that's going to trigger something for that student. Again, if you know that student well, because you've had discussions with them, you know about their interests, their likes, dislikes, you can match it to that too. Um, when you're talking about maths, um, I have treated maths as well. And again, um, like visual representation and practical, um, like concrete methods are the best way, particularly for a student who really lacks um, confidence with the subject. So something like using Numicon um, or Deans where they can where they can play with it and see that thing mapped out and they're in control of it as well. Um, so they're, they're actually um, manipulating the, the numbers as you go, rather than it being something that is solely on a screen at the front of a classroom. They've got that sense of kind of ownership. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things that work really well. Um, things that are, we spoke of, uh, last time about being competitive in the sessions. Some students love a bit of competition. So whether that's a quiz, whether that's like a kind of um, beat the teacher style thing where they, they get to be in charge and they get to kind of set some questions or challenges for you to do, that's always really good too. I think when you're thinking about the tools that you use, thinking about your students' needs needs to be number one because what works for one student won't be the best method for another. And um, that becomes kind of the driving force in the tools that you select when you're planning your sessions. Yeah, it's great. It's great to hear you talk about sort of the practical aspects. So very much sort of embedding the active learning, getting them to sort of use things like Numicon um, and, and coloured rods so that they can actually measure and, and sort of make up numbers, particularly in the primary sector is, is really, really um, reinforcing of uh, learning. So it's great to hear around that. Um, so we do have sort of, you know, shameless plug here, but Thursday Scholars mm -hmm. also has lots of um, courses and training around different areas, different um, age groups, key stage one, key stage two, key stage three, key stage four, um, and all sorts of subjects. And, and also um, moving across different um, sort of subjects as well. So looking at how we can enhance oracy within mathematics, for example. Um, so I would highly recommend that you actually go in and, and listen to some and take some of the courses that are available there um, to help sort of, you know, just give you some different refreshers on strategies. What, what would you say, actually, Rebecca, is the best tool that you've invested in and um, why would that be the case? Um, well, when I'm talking to you now, I'm speaking quite a lot about face to face tuition, which is what I tend to do most of. But actually, um, that's a really hard question um, because it, it isn't actually something I can answer with, oh, I paid that amount of money for that tool and it gave this result. It's more about kind of the opportunity. So um, when I decided to tutor with Connex, it opened up online tuition for me in a way that I hadn't really thought about being something that I could do well before. Um, 
and the beauty of doing it through Connex was they had an amazing um, tuition room, which is like a virtual classroom where you've got the um, interactive whiteboard where you can work collaboratively, where you can share your screen, where you can use your PowerPoints, where you can highlight for students in their own examples of work where as you kind of are working together. And so for me, I think the the um, opportunities presented by um, online tuition are probably the tool that has um, opened up more possibilities for me. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. Technology is not something that I use readily through choice. <laughs> um, but actually, it gave me the confidence to do that in my tutoring. It, it gave me um, the ability to see the potential for working in that way. And what I found was that um, as you as you spend more time doing something, you get you get used to it and you grow in confidence with it and you're then able to um, adapt it to use elsewhere as well. So where I kind of possibly wouldn't have used technology in a face to face session before, I, I possibly I do that a, a bit more now um, as well. So I've taken it from that virtual classroom and brought it into the face to face environment as well. Brilliant. And uh, in true virtual uh, sessions, uh, apologies for the aeroplane just flying over. If you're listening. Um, so it proves that we're uh, alive and uh, cracking on with it. Um, so that's really good to hear, actually, Rebecca. I think it, it's good to hear that, you know, you you it's combining different skills now. Technology isn't always everybody's friend, but sort of having being brave and, and trying those tools face to face as well can always be really, really useful. Um, and um, I would highly recommend sort of looking at different platforms that you can use sort of both in a face to face setting and also remotely. There's there's lots of other sort of um, learning sequence tools and, and sort of different gamification that actually embedding that really, really reinforces what you've actually been working on as a strategy. Um, so what's your one key takeaway, I think, from this session, Rebecca? What would you say your go to um, sort of wrap up would be around this? I'd say build your talk it up slowly. So you don't need to be the tutor who does all singing, all dancing sessions with millions of different resources from day one. What you need to be is the tutor who can deliver sessions with confidence and with clarity and with focus from day one. So if you are com confident and comfortable using a certain bank of resources, I'd say start with those. If they're resources that you've used in a classroom and you know that they work and you are confident using them, you're going to be able to use those more effectively with a student than when you have go, oh, well, I, I saw this on the internet, I've paid a lot of money for it and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a go. Um, though that that kind of is is your starting point. Having the faith in your personal qualities as your main toolkit too. So knowing that you can um, build a report with students, you can um, have inject an element of fun with students through playing a game or something like that that's going to serve you much better than simply relying on something because it it's it's the thing you feel you should be using i think once you've got um a sense of trust with the student and they um respect the relationship and the authority you have within that relationship and there's that that's not going to be called into into question too much then you can experiment i think with bringing in new things 
And I think the great thing about working with a student is because of the collaborative nature of it, they often introduce you to new things too. There have been so many times where the students I've worked with, particularly the older students at secondary school, um, who are much more kind of tech savvy than I am, have gone, oh yeah, miss, you can do it. They don't call me miss, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, Rebecca, you can do it like this and showed me how you, how you work something out using it in that way. Um, and I think until you're, until you're, feel comfortable in that relationship to do that, I'd say stick with what you know, do some kind of um, CPD around that. So go out and like look on um, sites where you're gonna find good high quality resources, do the training about how to use them, think about that. And then when you when you come to use a new, a new tool or a new resource, don't worry too much about about um, getting it right first time. Your student by the, the by that point is going to be be prepared to work with you on that, and that's great. I think if you go in um, from the first instance wanting to be all singing, all dancing, bringing like a whole host of different tools and resources to the session, sometimes that can be a bit overwhelming for the student too, as well. And actually, what they need first of all is that degree of trust, is that relationship, is that feeling that you're there to work with them. So. I'd say take it slow with what you use and start with something that you're comfortable and confident with. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to end on, Rebecca, is actually you could be the the one friend, person, professional in their, in, in their sort of educational life that actually really helps, you know, take a step back and spend time with them to focus on what they need to work on. And don't get hidden behind all the tools and gadgets, but the importance of being yourself, but also being authentic and professional, I think, are really, really key. So thank you so much again, Rebecca, for uh, spend, taking the time to chat with us and uh, sharing some of your top tips and strategies. And I know that the people that are listening will have found that really, really useful. Um, in our next podcast, um, Rebecca and I are going to be focusing in on supporting re-engagement. So often a lot of the tutors, um, pupils that you're working with will actually be reluctant learners, will be people that for whatever reason have been switched off from education and, and sort of thinking about tips and strategies about how we can re-engage them and reignite a passion for learning and interest, even in a specific subject. Um, I'm sure if you're listening in as an experienced teacher and tutor, you've you, you've all had learners that have completely switched off from their education. So we're going to cover some strategies that you can use to help re-engage them and what impact you can make as a tutor around this. You can pick up your our After the Bell podcasts, which are released on a weekly basis, and we aim to provide quick tips and discussions with experts around all things educational and uh, we hope that you can access this on your daily commute while you're cooking dinner on your treadmill or any kind of time of the day so uh, we're very grateful for you joining and listening to us today um, and we look forward to catching up with you very soon 